Welcome back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees are also known as Africanized Bees. And we all know there's nothing Africanized about these two guys. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Lies. Lies, Spencer. Lies. Uh, B-Max efforting Ryan Spader. Maybe Major League Baseball got a hold of him again. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the gag order might be in place. Again. The letter was just delivered. We'll see if uh, if Ryan Spader will, will be joining the program or not. But uh, Ryan Spader, the reason that I was interested in this conversation is Ryan Spader, all Ryan Spader did yesterday, who is a Major League Baseball analyst, writer of books, and a terrific and immaculate grid. But all he did yesterday was post Jose Altuve's like last 162 games. Great numbers, and then, of course, whenever you're a national guy and you post any numbers of Astros, you can just get an idea of the comments that are going to sure. spew away from a bunch of keyboard warriors. And there was one guy that said, Jose Altuve is heading to Cooperstown despite the cheating controversy that has mirrored Houston. Like, whatever. Like, that's whatever. That's pretty you know, mild, actually. Uh, and Spader quote tweeted it saying, I'm tired of saying this, but it wasn't just Houston. And I regret semi-retracting my statements on that. I let some people scare me into doing so. And you guys had him on the air whenever. We had him on twice. We had him on the day that he started to to basically tell all about baseball and cheating. And then the very next day when he started backtracking, we had him on again to get, tried to get more context into the backtrack. And then eventually we had him on again where he was like, yeah, I mean, I, I did have some pressure put on me and, and I did have to change some things. And so he's been he's been somewhat honest. It's just like the first time he did it, I said, you're the voice that I, I need. I think we all need as Astros fans right now. And then a day later, you were left going, well, what just happened? That's what, Why are we here now? Yeah, so whenever he said just, you know, I regret semi-retracting my statements on that, I, I was like, well, we got we to gotta try to get him on the show to see if he's going to re- retract his semi-retraction. Uh, texted him last night, texted him this morning, and I think Major League Baseball might have got a hold of him. But we'll try to get him on. If we can't, oh, well. Uh, I think we know the story if we can't. 713-780-3776. says, change is coming. Killer bees are great, but can we bring back the usual suspects? Go Texans. I wouldn't mind that. That'd be good. Um, it would be easy, easy, easier transition for what's going on with me. Uh, 2032, James and Galveston offense needs to be consistent. This lineup should put up more than five every game. Javier can be shaky behind 11 runs of support. Um, that that kind of was the uh, the point of Tron too, right? Consistency with this offense. And it's one of the reasons this offense hasn't been top 10 in Major League Baseball for a majority of the season. Injuries, to your point, uh, Altuve, uh, Jordan, but then the inconsistency of this offense too. Like you can point to the you can point to the Angel series where they go 11 runs, 11 runs and then they get like shut out. They score one run late. The incon- and, that, and I understand that's baseball, that's going to happen, but it seems like the Astros inconsistencies happen a little bit more often than the inconsistencies of others. Yeah, look, we, we've been talking overall when when we start getting to the point of running jokes in terms of run production one day and then absolute nothing the next day. Uh, when you get to the point of it becoming a run, you just realize that it, look out if they put a big crooked number up or they get to double digits because somehow for some reason they're going to be a complete letdown the next day. And we look at this whole season in the same kind of microcosm. I mean, that's why we've said Fromber has been consistently inconsistent for as good as he was a year ago. That's why we gave him the initial song for when he pitched and then it went away a year ago. Now it could easily be his theme song the rest of the year because we don't know which one he's going to get. And, and, and we don't know which lineup we're going to get. We don't know who's going to be available. Uh, all those things have been why this whole season has been consistently inconsistent. The defense. I mean, we can sit there and say it's unearned runs. It's also walks. It's also the fact that guys misplay or take the wrong route to baseballs 
and, and whether they get tagged with an error or not, guys get to second or third instead of a single, and then they score easy, and, and you're wondering what happened. The other night it was two errors on one play where neither one of them should have, ha- shouldn't, should have happened. Dubon completely kind of half-assed the throw to first. Singleton horribly misplayed it at first base. And then on top of that, or, or Javier got the ball, saw the guy going to third base, and threw it into left field, and the run scored to take the lead. And you can't tell me that that's what a good defensive baseball team is going to do. No. They, they've had some, for the Astros in this golden era, have been good defensively. This year, they, they haven't been. And it's it's weird to see. It really is. Triple zero two, just Blankers uh, betting app, my bookie, have odds on uh, Papa, that's Dusty, using his best slash death lineup. Altuve, Bregman, Tucker, Jordan, D.H., Diaz, Uncle Mike, Abreu, Singleton, Chaz, Fizzy, and then Pena. It feels like more than nine guys, but I don't think... What, what would you put those odds at, that Dusty goes to that lineup? I mean, consistently? At least, a, yeah, one that you like to see. We don't have to use triple zero two's exact lineup. I, I mean, I think the odds are we've already known that the odds are going to be slim because Dusty's going to Dusty. He's going to do whatever his gut tells him to do, no matter what the numbers say that he should, or whatever everybody says is the best lineup you can possibly put out there. I think the numbers are in the, the low, the, maybe the teens, because D- Dusty is not, he does not give a rat's ass about what everybody thinks or what the numbers say. Yeah, I would handicap it at like plus 300, triple uh, zero two. I think that that's what it would be for, du- like as a regular lineup. I think we'll see it sporadically. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Brantley, Brantley was one for four yesterday. He had a, hit a couple balls hard. Uh, his single came off the bat at over 100 miles per hour. He had another like hard chopper to short that was like off the bat at 97. I think he had a line drive into center field. Actually, that was off the bat at 97. Do you need Michael Brantley to win this division? I don't think you need him to win the division. I, I think that, again, that's why I keep going to sprinkles and icing. I, I think that if you have him, I think the odds go up for you to do and achieve every single thing that you want to do and achieve. I think the odds go up for you to win the division. The odds go up for you to win the American League. The odds go up for you to win the World Series because he, regardless of everything else that he can or can't do at this age, he's a professional hitter, and he's a really good one. And whether he's a, a bat off the bench or he is one of the guys that you have that you can plug and play in the starting lineup at DH and first base, you are a better baseball team with him. So you hope that this is again. But again, we've been down this road, which is why I don't use his name. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. HRP listener line. It's also our HRP guest line. And joining us now on the guest line is Ryan Spader, the ace of Spader on Twitter, MLB analyst, author, host, really good at Immaculate Grid, does a little bit of everything. Ryan reached out to you yesterday on Twitter. Uh, you posted Jose Altuve's last one hundred and sixty-two games, which really good numbers. You had people coming back at you in your comments saying, "Well, he's a cheater, et cetera, et cetera." And then you tweeted. I'm tired of saying this, but it wasn't just Houston, and I regret semi-retracting my statements on that. I let, quote-unquote, some people scare me into doing so. So I, I reached out to you saying, do you want to retract your semi-retraction? What's going on with this whole thing, Ryan? First of all, thanks for having me on. Sorry I missed your uh, initial call. I thought Major League um, Baseball got a hold of you again. 115, so. But um, now i gotta, I got to kind of walk on um, eggshells with this. Because, you know, quote-unquote, some people, I'm, I'm sure you can read between the lines there. And if you look at my, um, you know, I don't know, retraction, if you can even call it that, or apology, um, I did, if you can read between the lines on that as well, um, I didn't exactly say what I, the stuff I said, I didn't believe it or something. Um, I do. 
I've heard all of the things that I said from multiple big uh, ball players, and you know, I, I believe what I said. Ryan, you were the voice I needed. The next day, you were the voice I couldn't believe because I was I was crushed by it as an Astros fan, and, and obviously with what we do for a living. And we've had you on since then, and we had you on as, as a Phillies fan with the World Series and everything else too. So you are a friend of the show, and, and, and again, we don't want you to get in any trouble. But my question then would be, when do you think that all of this will come to more of a head because more than just you as a one-man band or you and Eric Kratz and a few others that have tried, when do we when do we finally see like more people validating what you are again kind of hinting at, which is this wasn't just Houston. There were many other teams and many other means doing these kind of things. I think, um, I think when a lot of these guys start retiring, because that's, that's why Kratz spoke up. He's out of the game. Ryan Spader, our guest on the HRP guest line. I'm with you. I think more, we've already seen a lot of players come out, even players that are in baseball, like Joey Votto, yeah. Miguel Cabrera has talked about. Mookie Betts flat out said, yeah, we were cheating in 2018 whenever he went to L.A. Yeah. So we didn't do it in the playoffs, but, yeah, we were doing it during the regular season. And then everybody gives Mookie Betts a pass, which is fascinating to me. And then you see some of the former Astros that are retired, whether it's Reddick, whether it's Gaddis, kind of speak out about it. I, I bet you were going to get books and podcasts from players that retire more and more each and every year, and I think it becomes less and less of a, of an issue, of a deal. And in fact, people in Houston are sick and tired of hearing about it, uh, completely, uh, to be completely honest. Now, what I'm curious about, Ryan, is kind of like you know the vein of what was going on yesterday on your timeline whenever you brought up Jose Altuve's numbers. Jose Altuve, looking like he's going to be a Hall of Fame player. He's right on the verge of 2,000 hits. He's won an MVP. He's going to chase 3,000 looks very much like a Hall of Fame type of player. How do you think the voters will view Jose Altuve when that time comes after his playing career plus five years? Um, I think there'll be a handful who, you know, still hold out. But you got to keep in mind, once he retires, it's going to be five years before he's eligible. So I think all this stuff will be out by then. Interesting. So when you look at it, from the perspective, Ryan, of the golden era, as we call it, of Astros baseball, we, we've seen where this, what this team's been able to accomplish, regardless of 17 or not, regardless of how Manfred and everybody else handled it or not. Now you're looking at a team that once again looks every bit of a team that could compete for a World Series, an American League title, and keep this run going. Uh, did the second championship validate how good this team is, regardless of 17? And then, as people like to ask the question here, do they start approaching dynasty type status with what they've been able to accomplish? Oh, they're there. They are hundred percent there. I don't think it took the uh, the second World Series to validate this either. I mean, even making it to the World Series and losing is still an accomplishment. And I say that as a Phillies fan. Uh, I do have to say I'm a little bit ticked about the Astros beating the Phillies. Um, <laughs> you know. Not just as a Phillies fan, not just as a Phillies fan, but I would have won 68 grand um, oh, yeah. with my uh, World Series prop bet. I remember that. I remember you tweeting about that. I've forgotten all about that. Sorry, sorry that the Astros. Well, sorry, not sorry that the Astros cost you sixty-eight k, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, thanks so much for. Uh, sorry about the confusion on the times, but thanks so much for hopping on, uh, telling your side of the story, and hope the Phillies come out of the NL again. So the last thing I got for you, yeah, um, 
I don't know if you saw, but the New York Post, somebody wrote an article about me apologizing for my quote-unquote tweet storm. Really? Yeah, I'll have to send it to you. Yeah, I'll, we'll I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll DM you and you send it over my way. I'm interested in reading that. Thank you, Ryan. We'll, Thanks, we'll, Ryan. We'll, we'll chat online. All right. All have right. a good one. Talk All soon. All right, Ryan Spader joining us on the HRNP uh, guest line. Who was holding Ryan Spader at gunpoint? 713-780-3776. Sounded a little spooked. Sounded Robbie, a little scared. Robbie, a little Robbie's bit. hitman. Sounded, uh, maybe. Sounded a little bit scared there. Uh, Kevin McKell was very, very mean to James Harden, and I loved every bit of it. I know Blankers loved every bit of it. Skiller Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. You're hooked up with it. You hooked up with it. You decided to marry it. I told you I wasn't into it. You said it didn't matter. Razor Blunt Commentary. Delivered with a special purpose. What's happening to my special purpose? It's the Killer Bees. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. Who was holding Ryan Spader hostage? Uh, Dre says Ryan's in his office in the basement of MLB Network Studios. Kind of like Milton from Office Space. What was it? The stapler? <laughs> it's my yeah, they stapler. took his swing line he, stapler. Yeah, then they burned the building on fire. And then he went to a beach and well, said, Mil- no, salt, no, salt. Mil- yeah, burned burned no salt, no salt. No salt, no salt on my margarita. Uh, great movie. That's such a good movie. You seen Office Space Blankers? Uh, no. You're missing out, man. So, so good. It's been uh, it's been good knowing you, Blankers. just want to say that. I just want to say it's been good knowing you. Uh, Bobby Miami made his... Uh, it's going to be good knowing Bobby Miami. Bobby Miami... Uh, tweeted us yesterday. He texted us yesterday. He said a lot of uh, things. He said a lot of words to us. He said that we were his favorite, right? Yes, he did. Well, apparently he called in to Paul Gallant's show yesterday. We have the audio here, BMAC. Do we do we anything else to set this up? Well, he didn't call in. It was a text that Paul Oh, read. he texted. Okay, so he's not calling in because Bezos wouldn't be happy with that. All right, well, let's read. Let's hear this. Whatever happened with Gallant's show, Bobby Miami cheating with us before we even knew who Bobby Miami was. Shout out to Bobby Miami in the 346, hardworking Amazon driver, who said, (laughs) shout out to what I believe to be the best sports talk show. Unreal. Amen to that, brother. Mm. Wow. you for listening. He did try and walk it back on text today. See, I haven't read his text because TLDR. (laughs) Too long, didn't read. I haven't read it yet. What did he say? So he was basically saying, yes, I said it, but I meant it more like, the whole station as a whole, but it's really you guys. So I don't know if I believe him. It's kind of uh, it's getting harder to believe him as much as BMAC and I have been. I, I was with day him one yesterday, guys, but I, I, yeah. I, I think I'm out now. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Who is Bobby Miami's favorite show on ESPN ninety seven? Well, it didn't have to be us after today, Bobby Miami. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Kevin McHale went on a podcast. Kevin McHale used to do regular hits for us, and Kevin McHale is going on a podcast making. Oh, Matt, I, those I, podcasters I, go viral. Thanks, Mac. I gave him a little bit of peace of my mind today. You said that he's going to he come will be on joining next week, us though. next week. Yep. Well, you. Um, True. Here was Kevin McHale on this podcast. I don't even know the podcast because I'm a little, I'm a little jaded. I'm a little, I'm a little upset by, it. a little ticked off with Kevin McHale. But here was Kevin McHale talking about well, one James Harden his lack of defense. If you don't, if you're not, you're not going to win if you don't do a little thing. If you like, if you're not a player that can go out and and, and get defensive stops, then you got you better be a great team defender. You had better be in a in the right right help. Larry wasn't a great uh, bird. Wasn't a 
great individual defender, but he was a great team defender. And he was always in the right spot, always willing to make the play, you know, diving on balls, just doing all that stuff. And those were all the things I said, you know, let's, you know James can do it. It's just he didn't want to. And um, so I just was like, eh, it's only going to last so long when you're, when you're a top guy is not willing to just do a lot of just the dirt working things that it takes to win and not, 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 not NBA games per, you know, during the season, but what it takes to win championships. It's, it's so freaking hard to win four series uh, to win a championship. And, and at some point you're playing a team, every good as every bit as good as you are. So you've got to just do all the little things. I think, and I, I thought Daryl let him slide on a lot of that stuff. And so I, I just feel like eventually that just comes back and bites you in the rear end. I forgot how long-winded Kevin McCullough Oh, he is. is. <laughs> He's one giant run-on sentence. Uh, the thing with McHale that we both experienced with James and with others, with Daryl, is the fact that James is now being forced to deal with what, with what every other teammate that played with James Harden over the years has had to deal with. And that is, if you aren't him, then you aren't needed in the long haul or if you screw up. And we saw this from Westbrook and Dwight Howard and on and on. It, you were either a James guy or you were going to be playing somewhere else and Daryl was going to move on from you. And James thought he was immune to it because that's the relationship he had with Daryl. Well, when his skills started to diminish like they did even a year or two ago and what happened in Philly and Embiid became the guy at the top of the pedestal for all talent for the roster that Daryl had, he found out the hard way that you too can be a part of the Daryl Asset Show where one year you're the apple of his eye and the next year you are part of a trade package to get someone bigger, better, or potentially just more talented at that point in your career. James doesn't like it. James is airing it all out now. But James was the, the reason behind why so many guys came and left the Rockets so quickly under Daryl Morey. The, the one that Kevin McHale, the, the quote that he had, too, that wasn't in, in that soundbite that we had was also that James Harden had a plan to be fat and then got me fired in 11 games. And there's, look, there was reports, what, two, three days ago that James Harden's going to do whatever he can to try to force his way out of Philadelphia. The first thing he did was talk to all the, you know, the, the kids in China there, kind of pandering to them because they don't like Daryl Morey in China. But he was like, yeah, look, I don't trust Daryl Morey. I'm never going to play for him, blah, 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 blah. There were reports the very next day that James Harden's going to his, – his goal is to try to make things so uncomfortable that they, they have to get rid of James Harden. He kind of did that to Houston, maybe not to that extreme. And there was also the understanding with Rafael Stone and James Harden at the time that they were going to work to trade him. That doesn't exist in Philadelphia. Morey doesn't have any interest in trading James Harden because he knows that right now James Harden can only get pennies for the overweight dollar that is James Harden. So it's a, it's a fascinating story in the NBA. I think he could get really toxic because it seems like James Harden wants to make it very toxic. He does, and I think he wants to be the guy that shows Daryl, no matter how much you think you're the smartest guy in the room, I've done this before, I can do it again. I'm going to get my way. I'm going to get out of town. I'm going to get a better situ- get to a better situation. You're either going to help me or I'm going to try and really hurt you in the process. And I don't think James has the leverage he thinks he has, but I'm really intrigued by how this plays out because we've seen it happen before. And what James did the year he got Mikhail fired started the year before with the way the playoffs went. If you remember, you know, they, we were down 20-some points to the Clippers in Game 6. And, and Mac went to a lineup that was Josh Smith and it was Jason Terry and it was... You know, a bunch of guys, Corey Brewer, a bunch of guys that were just supposed to soak up the rest of the minutes while they took their medicine and, and got bounced from the playoffs. Instead, all that happened was that lineup turned the entire game around, as we know, and got them a win. 
And in the fourth quarter, James wanted to go back in. And I talked to Mac after the game. We were having a beer in, 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 the, in the hotel lobby, and he said, this is going to cost me in the long run. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, James is so pissed off that I didn't put him back in the game. But I couldn't do that to my guys that got me there. And as much as I stayed loyal to my guys and did the right thing from a coaching perspective, I just ticked off the one guy that Les and Daryl will do whatever he says. And sure enough, and the stories are all out there, and Demo was the guy that actually saw it happen. James called a meeting after the Rockets had a 20-point lead against the Celtics and then ended up losing by 20. After the game in Les's office, which could be, it's, it's, there's windows, you can see Les's conference room from the practice floor. And Demo was in there. And Demo looked up and saw James, and he was in there with Tad Brown and Daryl Morey and the owner and all the and Gerson Rosas. And the next thing you know, Kevin McHale the next morning is fired. Mm. And, and Demo wanted to go out and even say more, and they were begging him not to. But it happened, and it was all because James got whatever he wanted while he was the best player on the team and one of the best players on the planet. It's a different story now, and James doesn't like it. Yeah, I mean, Demo, if he said something, he might have gotten out sooner than he did. But they did Demo wrong, too, now. Yeah, but I mean, if he did it, if he would have spoke up more, I think they would have did him wrong earlier. Oh, absolutely. But remember now, the way they did him wrong was Demo was a free agent, and everybody wanted the Rockets oh, to bring right. him back. And I was on top of this, and this is when Ben DeBose and I got sideways because Ben DeBose started calling me out like I didn't know what I was talking about. And I'm like, I'm telling you straight from Demo's mouth <laughs> that he had an agreement with the Rockets. They turned him down. They all, all of a sudden reneged on it. So he went out and found another deal from somebody else. The Rockets were ticked. So they said they'd match it. And then he went through his physical. He came to town. He was walking in the hallway with his tennis shoes to get ready for the game. And they called him into a side room and said, hey, we didn't like your physical. We're going to let you go. We're Ooh, not going to do I it. I remember that. And the other offer was yanked off the table. They did him dirty because they didn't like the fact that he had the, the cajones to try and play the game with Daryl. And, and, and Demo was livid. And so that's the way they like to do business. It's, it was Daryl's way or the highway, and as long as James was a, a great player, he was immune to it. The minute he took a step back, he was right in the middle of the crosshairs. Of it. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, Ime Doka spoke up, huh? Very glad very, that very Ime glad. Doka spoke up. Uh, 9458, I tried to warn you guys yesterday, Bobby, Miami was a fraud. 6941, who, give a, who gives a flying rat's? Which show by Bobby Miami likes? I think you just like saying his made-up name. Let's see his birth certificate. 713-780-3776. Who said it? We've been dominating who said it lately. BMAC. Joe George took Friday off because he wanted to bring in the ringer that is Brian McDonald. How does Brian McDonald fare for the red, fare against the red hot who said it? I hope I do well in my farewell game. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. It's now time for the mega producer, Joe George, to do what he does best, and that's stumping. No one can stump the best stumpler in Stumpville, and that's Stumpy Joe. Stumpy Joe. What happened to Stumpy Joe? The official explanation was he choked on vomit. Today, Stumpy Joe will try to stump the killer bees with who said it. Let the stumping begin. Let's get stumped. So what are we going to call you, Mac? Well, I, I think I'm too tall to be called Stumpy. Yeah. So are you the oak tree? Sure. We could go with that. I could be Groot. Stand strong. Oak tree, BMAC? That might have been a way to call me old. I'm not sure, but no. I'll go with it. No. I mean, if he's a stump, you at least could be the tree. You don't have Maybe, as many yeah. losses and haven't been cut down as many times as the stump has. That's true. That's certainly true. So I, I hmm. mentioned this during the break to you guys. A couple of... Uh, 
tweaks to the rules just because we have fewer hosts than we would had did the last few times we've done this show. So if I if I just wait, there's changes. Yeah, there's been a few changes. So if I just let it be the main, the four main hosts, uh, obviously John, Lance, Paul, and and, and uh, Patrick at night, then you guys would have a twenty five percent chance on every one. So oh, yeah, I'm opening this up to both repeats and producers being down in Sean. They're eligible as well in this. So just be Repeat. aware of that oh, when you're making guesses. We can your use guesses. them more than once. I got you. Yeah. So Dale, Sean, Dale and repeats and Sean are eligible. That's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. Well, I mean, we lost three hosts recently. I'm adding on two producers. It's still minus one. Because, I mean, even though Dell is a furor of negativity, it's hard to say that we have to pinpoint just him. I mean, you might not have to pinpoint him. We'll find out. Okay, let's go. You ready for number one? Yeah. All right, number one. Bunk beds are just injuries waiting to happen. There's nothing good that comes with them. Either you're on top and you fall off, or the thing breaks and it squishes you. It's where it squishes little Jimmy on the bottom. This is obviously in regards to the Little League World Series incident. BK? No, but but I'm saying it's the Little League World Series incident where the kid fell out of the bunk bed. I hadn't heard about it. Was this last year? This was a year or two ago, the kid from yeah, Utah. Yeah, he got severely hurt. Yeah, very, very bad. It's no joking matter. No, but I think this is why it came up, because it's, again, during the Little League World Series time. And I'm sure that's kind of the spinoff of the discussion. Can you say it again? Sure. Bunk beds are just injuries waiting to happen. There's nothing good that comes from them. Either you're on top and you fall off, or the thing breaks and it squishes little Jimmy on the bottom. Did PC say that? I can see um, Lance saying it. Trying to think. I could see Lance or, or Golant saying it. I could see Polly saying it. Man, I, there, I heard somebody mention bunk bed the other day. Are you allowed to say the context of the conversation, BMAC? Was it? Uh, it was in regards to the Little League World Series. Right. Regards to the Little League World Series. I think it's either Galan or Lance. I do, too. Which I way are you I would agree with that. Um, what, what was the little... Who would be the most likely to use the little... Who got squished? Little little uh, little well, Johnny? Little Jimmy. Little Jimmy. Probably Lance. I kind of feel like I can hear Lance in that. Yeah. More so. You want to go with him? Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Lance Erline. Bunk beds are just oh, injuries we all over waiting yeah, we to happen. There's nothing. There's nothing good that comes from that. Swan song or who said it? Not going well so far. Nope. <sighs> Last one. Not going out on a strong Man, All right. Number two. We we're all over there. Yeah, we were. Number two. Nothing against Dwayne Wade. I'm sure he's a good speaker, but the arrogance to speak for 26 minutes, acting like people are going to listen to every single word there. Three minutes or less. You're not better than that, Dwayne Wade. I'm guessing this was on the bench because they're probably going to Dell. He's a Heat fan. Miami, Miami through and through. Yeah. Um, you couldn't see Creighton saying it. Not really. I think right. this is very specific to that show because of Dell. Um, I don't think I don't think Dell would say it because I'm assuming he's probably a big Dwayne Wade fan. I don't like Hall of Fame induction speech. We that didn't make a play on our show, and I don't think that's going to make like I don't think it's going to make PC show. I don't think it's going to make a launch show. I think True. it's from the bench. I think they're probably going at Dell. Okay, can you read it one more time? would help if I turn my microphone on. Nothing against Dwayne Wade. I'm sure he's a good speaker, but the arrogance to speak for 26 minutes, acting like people are going to listen to every single word there. Three minutes or less. You're not better than that, Dwayne Wade. I think it's I think it's Lance or Granado. Okay. Eileen Lance again. Okay. Yeah, I just don't know if... Would Johnny G go that 
I don't think he's that long-winded. And would he care that much? I don't think so. I don't think so. And, it, and who goes at Dell harder? Well, John normally they, does. They, they both go at Dell yeah, pretty I'll, hard. I'll, <laughs> let's go Lance. All right, Lance Erline. I'm not like against Dwayne Wade. I'm sure he's oh, a he good speaker. But the arrogance to speak oh, for 26 I thought you said no repeat. Minutes oh, said, no, I said repeats are on the table. Oh, every there single repeats. word there. <laughs> I'm, I'm not liking this today, BK. Oh, he went, it went back-to-back pause, and we were like, it's Paul or Lance. But I didn't think it'd be Paul because, oh, man, he, that's a good one. That's a good All right, one much, shorter, much shorter quote here for number three. And hopefully I don't get cancer for saying this. Again, this is not me saying it. This is unnamed host. Other than me and that black guy, the rest of the people in the bar were all white. <laughs> well, see, could he go Paul three for three? Who else is in the bar? Del doesn't drink. Well, Granado could be in Granado the bar. Be Granado the bar. could be, and he was giving out Coors Lights the other night at Damaris. Could it be PC? I don't think PC's in a bar. You think you go Paul three times in a row? I think it's look. This is BK. I mean, this is BMac we're talking about. I, I legitimately think as much as we like to give Joe Bush Bush League labels, BMac could be way more Bush League because he kind of fuels some of Joe's Bush League. It's probably Paul or, or Granado. Like if I had to I, get eliminating the recency of the other two questions, those would be the two guys I would go. I would come up with. Could it be Sean. Remember Sean's here. Oh, that's a good call. You need it one more time? Yeah, yep. please. All right. Again, not me saying this. Other than me and that black guy, the rest of the bar was all white people. Granado. Coors Light giveaway. Damaris Barbecue. All right. John Granado. Other than me yeah. and that black guy. Let's come back. The all right. Let's the do it. Now, are you allowed, the people. things that the intel that you got earlier, are they going to be a part of this? What's that? The intel you kind of picked up on, you said before the show. I don't think I picked up any intel on this. Oh. I thought you said he had you heard pick up a poker tell? No, that was last week. Oh, last week. Okay, last week. All right, number four. And this is why James Harden is basically going to be Carmelo Anthony 2.0. Tons of talent, lazy AF on defense, selfish as all hell, never going to win. Patrick Creighton because he uses AF. <laughs> You're confident about it? I mean, it's just my, first, my initial reaction is it sounds like a PC with the AF in it. All right, you want to go with that? I mean, I, that was if you don't want to break also, it down. There's also a Carmelo reference there. Yeah, PC New York or Pauly New York because the Syracuse and Pauly. Yeah, I don't think it's Pauly. All right, let's go PC. PC. And this is why well, James done. Harden is basically well, going to be Carmelo Anthony 2.0. Well, hell done. Maybe the swan Tons song we talent. saved after all. They've got the rubber question coming up. The rubber quote. Oh, is this the one where you got to do the acting? No, I, I, I didn't. I didn't have time to do. You know that. what? That's that was a, that's a really good decision on your part. <laughs> you didn't like my acting. No, for not yours, weeks. Joe's. Joe's. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> All right, number five. You know, Dusty Baker is a lot like Mr. Miyagi. Old man sayings, you know, old wise. Also, weird injury treatment philosophy. I want to say I heard this. I didn't. Okay. Well, do you have any initial feelings on it? We. I, who would go to a Mr. Miyagi reference? That's kind of where I think we're going to find our answer here. I think it sounds benchy. Does it? Yeah. You, I don't think Dell would say Mr. Ma- would Mapes? Miyagi. I don't think. I don't think Mapes. I think Mapes could. Could he? I think so. I know I heard it. So to me, if I heard it, I don't know I heard it. If I did hear it, it was the bench or or. or Paul. I think B Mac though might have just told us that he's going to use Dell and Sean. 
to throw this like the stink off a little bit because okay. he's not going to use one of the two. I think there's a decent chance he didn't use either one of the two. I think he just threw those into the player pool to give us more multiple choices. I feel like it. Okay, I, I feel like I feel like this is a discussion between Paul and Sean. Really? Mm-hmm. One more time, please, BMAC. You know, Dusty Baker's a lot like Mr. Miyagi. Old man sayings, you know, old, wise. Also, weird injury treatment philosophy. <sighs> See, now it got a little quirkier that time around. And, like, if I think quirky, I think Paul. I think I think. I think BMAC trying to win, I think I think Sean, and then I think he wears the same headband as, as the karate kid. I don't I don't think it's Sean. You don't. I think I think I think BMAC told us Sean and Dell are options to, to throw us off. I don't think he's gonna use either one of them. I think it's Paul. I think he's going three Pauls. I think it's Sean. I, I almost positive it was on the show, so I think we've narrowed it down yet again, but we did this with the first one. Oh, you've been uh, you've been better than me this week. We'll go with your guess. We'll go with yours. We'll go, you want to go with Sean? Let's go Sean. Sean Mapes. You know, Dusty Baker's a lot. <laughs> Bam, well, like yes. well done. You know, old wise. See, also, I tricked Jeremy, but Joel slept through it. Sometimes. Sometimes. I knew I heard it. Sometimes you just got to you gotta pass the you, ball. You, you, you got to pass the ball sometimes. You thought correctly with my strategy to try. I, I was hoping you would have that sort of reaction. That oh, I was just really? throwing out there. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you went for it. You but unfortunately, Joel talked you, talked, you, yeah. talked you out of it. That was well. Sometimes you got to pass the ball. Let, some, let a teammate take a shot. I, was, you know what I just that ran was? three in a row to win that one. You know what that was? That was Jordan passing it to Steve Kerr. Oh, is that's, that what, oh, is that that, what it was? That's what just I'm happened. Steve Kerr and yeah. your Jordan? Oh, yeah, that's, right. that's what just happened. Would you like a bonus? And it might be. I'm, I'm, What's I'm, the bonus? I might be with There's the Wizards a, just another question. Week. Oh, really? Just another question. Yeah, that we haven't done that before. We'll get a bonus here. All right, all right. Here we go. This opening monologue calling Joe Theismann a legend, that word gets thrown around way too much. Legend? Is Joe Theismann a legend? He's a legend because his leg got broken on Monday Night Football. <laughs> oh, boy. See that's kind of long. I don't think when Lance did, or Granado has and, that. And opinion. when did when did they do this with an opening monologue with Theismann? Was it last night's football? I have no idea. I see. I don't either. That's why this bonus question should be thrown out. Well, it's, oh, it's, it's not going to count. Bonus. Yeah. You still I think won. I think it's either Paul or PC. Paul or PC. You're taking the bonus question way too seriously. You think Lance? <laughs> no, you know. I'm just trying to think of Lance as a really true football guy. He knows what Theismann did, right? Yeah, I don't think he, I don't think Granado or Lance though have that hot of a take about Theismann. I think the only hot take artist on him would be PC or Paul. I think you're right. Which one you got? I'll let you pick this one. Uh, <laughs> I'll go Paul. MJ, I'll let you pick this one. Paul. MJ, this opening monologue. Yeah, look at me, look at MJ. That's MJ. That, that was that was over Byron Russell right there. That was MJ over Byron Russell. Russell. Final shot. Jordan's final shot, my <laughs> final shot. You the comparisons job, are Jeremy. uncanny. Matt Hurst with a uh, with a nice name for uh, BMAC whenever he's filling in Tremac. <laughs> Instead of yeah, there you go, that's Joe the oak tree. Yeah. That's, that's, that's well done. That's well done. Yes. I tip my cap to you, Matt. That's will, really well played. All right, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. We're gonna be joined by uh, Callus a little bit later in the program. Two thirty, right, BMAC? We're gonna do Callus at two thirty. Yeah, two thirty is right. Coming up next, though, is Chaz McCormick. The best center fielder in the American League. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.
ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here, your family. I don't have friends. I got family. Welcome back, Houston. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. There was an article a couple of days ago, Blankers. He's Blank, I'm Branham. Uh, it was good knowing you. Uh, Michael Shapiro posed the question on Cron.com. I, I enjoy Cron.com. A little different than whatever they call the sports, was it? What do they call the Houston Chronicle? Is it just HoustonChronicle.com? Didn't they do like Texas Sports Nation? I, I it's, it's confusing. It is Cron.com. Cron, well, Cron.com and Houston Chronicle are different, but the same. Like Cron.com is owned by a like, different company than Houston Chronicle, but Houston Chronicle will use Cron.com people. It's very, very confusing. Really? Cron.com and HoustonChronicle.com are two very different websites. Yeah. Okay. And I think the sports part of Houston Chronicle is called Texas Sports Nation. I think that is correct. Or there's a special part of the sports anyway that I've seen that they always direct people like to. look this this right here is houstonchronicle.com right and this is cron.com very very different it is yeah they're not the same but they're still coming the same it's very very confusing so this is cron.com basically um is Chaz McCormick the best center fielder in the American League is what the question was posed by Michael Shapiro and on the surface it sounds like okay that's that's a bit hyper well, I mean on the surface you Chaz say J-Rod and you're done J-Rod has been very, very hot. On the surface, you could say that. But you look at the numbers and you dive in a little bit. J-Rod's got a 780 OPS. Chas McCormick's 917. So it's difficult for me. Like, yeah, you, you walk down the street and you tell somebody, hey, Julio Rodriguez is better than Chas McCormick. They'd be like, yeah, no, duh. Or if you flipped it around, you said, hey, Chas McCormick is better than Julio Rodriguez. People would think you're nuts. They would think you're silly. They, think, they would think that you're having hot takes. But if you just looked at the number aspect of it, and Chas McCormick is a 917 OPS, and J-Rod's OPS is 780, which is not great. It's fine. It's not great. Like, which OPS you taking there? You're taking the 917 OPS. If the numbers support Chas McCormick, the numbers, the OPS specifically, supports Chas McCormick as the best center fielder in the American League. Chas McCormick's OPS is better than anybody else in center field Better than in the American League, better than Luis Robert, better than Mike Trout, better than Cedric Mullins, better than Jose Siri, better than Julio Rodriguez. That's shocking, but I think that's how kind of a what kind of an eye opening season Chaz has had. I mean, we started the season with me being irate, with Chaz being benched, but simply because of the fact that Pawpaw's belly still had a grumble in it about whether he liked him or not. But then we started talking about, you know, who he should bat against and how much you should use him. And at a certain point, because he was just so hot. And look, we even referenced it the other day again. When he started batting leadoff, when Altuve went down, he was killing it till he got hurt. And then he came back and he came back again. And every time he came back, he seemed to get better. And he's been doing more things. It's been a Cinderella season for this guy. And no matter where they use him, how they use him and what they want out of him, he seems to give you more. To where Astros fans know that, I think that would be something that would blow the minds of most baseball fans across the country that don't work for a living covering baseball. See, I think that word, though, that you use there is, is disrespectful to Chess. I think saying he's having a Cinderella season is disrespectful to Chess. You, you think that's sustainable, what he's doing this I year? I don't think Chaz is ever going to have a 917 OPS for, like, multiple seasons, but Chaz's career OPS is 800. I don't think we would call a guy who has an 800 OPS having a season that's over 900 a Cinderella season. I think I think I would because I think that you can have a steady, above average player 
that has an, a Cinderella season. I think maybe now looking back on it, Alex Bregman's Cinderella season was the, the season that he was battling Mike Trout in a discussion for MVP. I mean, Bregman was was top five back to back years though. Like okay, but but yet were the number you know, and I haven't looked at the numbers close enough to say one was better than the other. But I'm just saying. You can be an above-average player, but you can have a Cinderella season where everything falls in place at the right time. Pitchers do it a lot, but hitter, it happens for hitters, too, where you just find lightning in a bottle and you put it together for all the, the, all the months of the season. And, and at the end of the year, you're looking at it going, man, that dude was unbelievable this year. Not that he wasn't good before, mm-hmm. but he was, he was like next level. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's always. I mean, you have your best year, their career years, right? I mean, I guess that leads to the next question. Do you think Chaz McCormick's having his career year? Do you think this is the best year that Chaz McCormick's going to have in his major league baseball career? I think there's a good chance. I think so too. To, yeah. to be completely honest, yeah, I'm now just being as honest as I can be, but I don't think Chaz McCormick is an uh, average player. I think Chaz McCormick is like over the course of the next three years. Right now, his numbers are the most productive of a center fielder in the American League. More productive than J-Rod, uh, the, an injured trout, Cedric Mullins. We, we just went over the, the list. Now, Chaz McCormick the next three years? Like, what does that look like? I wouldn't say Chaz over the next three years is going to be better than J-Rod. I wouldn't say Chaz over the next three years is going to be better than Cedric Mullins. Mike Trout, who knows if he ever plays baseball at a high enough like volume where he's playing in games. I think Chaz McCormick, though, is a top five center fielder in the American League for the next three years. I, I, that's, so that's, why, that's why I hesitate to say it's a Cinderella year. I think it's his peak year. I think it's his best year, career year. Cinderella, no. Okay. Uh, I, I was very careful to say he's not an average player. I think he's an above-average player. I think he'd be an above-average player for the next three years. I just think that whether I called it a Cinderella season or just his career year, I think we're both on the same page that this might be the best Chaz we ever see in terms of statistically everything he's putting together and the run that he's on. And that's not to take any shots at him because he's been a massive reason why your Astros are still where they are right now. But, yeah, when you start talking about the next three years, it's one thing to say he could be one of the five best center fielders in the American League. To say that he's better over the next three years than some of the guys that we mentioned, and Trout's kind of the... The, the exception because you just don't know what you're going to get out of him the rest of his career. Maybe he's just going to continually be dinged up. But J-Rod is obviously at the start of, at the top of the list when you start talking about guys that probably haven't seen their career yet or haven't seen a, a Cinderella-type year. Again, an above-average player, an all-star-type player, but I think he might have a year or two where he could go off the charts. Yeah. What do you think Chaz's OPS his next three seasons? I mean... If I'm going to say the average for the next three seasons, he's going to average an OPS. I think it's going to be above league average, but I don't think it's going to be in the 900. I think he's going to be somewhere hovering around 800. Yeah, I, I would take that. Oh, I would take it for I would, sure. I would take that. If Chas McCormick gives you a, an 800 OPS after the, the next three years after this one, so we're talking 24, 25, 26, I'm signing up for that in a hurry. No doubt, because of the rest of the lineup you have, too, because you still have prime, prime Jordan. You still have prime Tucker. You still have above average Altuve. You still have a lineup that's fully capable with him in it. He doesn't have to, assuming that you're not going to go through injuries every year like you've had to endure this year, and whatever you do or don't do with sprinkles and icing, if he comes back or you use his money and you repurpose it and you get another bat, I think the rest of the lineup says that if he just does that, he's exactly what you need. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. I think he's going to be a good offensive player. Wind says uh, 850 OPS. 850 would be obviously better than 800. I would take 800 right now. Uh, King of Twitch, uh, I'd say Chaz is a serviceable center fielder with better than average stats, so he seems a little bit lower. 
on Chaz. Uh, 3032, top eight in the American League. That's good, but dude needs to play every day. Somebody else asked the question, too. Uh, further, is Chaz even considered a full time player? Early in the year, no. Like now, yeah. Chaz is playing mostly uh-huh. every single day now. Chaz is not in the same tier as Jake Myers anymore. He's not in the same tier as Corey Jolks anymore. Uh, Dusty, look, first. 70 games of the season, Chaz was playing just as much as Jake and Corey Jolks, and that was a, that was managerial malpractice, if we're being completely say, honest. It's one thing to say early in the season you might think about platooning him, but I think it's a managerial decision that has been the reason why his games have been limited. Now, you could say he's not like an everyday center fielder. You could say he's an everyday outfielder because there are days when Jake Myers should be starting in center field. Fly ball pitcher against the lefty, Myers should be in center, Chaz should be in left. Uh, even when, like, Brantley, if... If Brantley comes back, like Chaz is going to play center when Brantley Yordan play left. He's going to play over Jake Myers. But there are days, especially against lefties, when Brantley doesn't play or he's not, if, if he ever comes back, where Chaz should be your left fielder and Jake should be your center fielder. So I think it's fair to say your everyday center fielder is a question, but he's definitely an everyday player, everyday outfielder for the Astros. Pers- Anything less is a mistake. Yeah, personnel matters at this point, right? I mean, it depends on the options that you have for all the scenarios that you're going to paint and lay out. But right now, with the personnel that this team has, and will that change in a year? Will they, like I said, will they repurpose uh, the money for sprinkles and, and icing and, and go out and find another bat? And now we might be having a different discussion. I think he's definitely surpassed Jake, and, and he should be looked at as the option before Jake. But I think if you get another corner outfielder or you go and spend money on a bat, there's a scenario where now you're looking at where is he going to play, and it's it's similar but different than Yiner. And the fact that for this season, you just got to find a place for him to play every day. He needs to be in the lineup. But as that goes forward for the next three years, that's going to depend on the personnel that's around you. No, I'm I'm willing to go that far right now with Chaz. Chaz you, you should, have the so services. then you would just play him in center field. Not necessarily center, but that he's in the outfield on an everyday basis. But like, saying, obviously, you, out, you get the rest. You're not going to play 162, right. but you should play 150 if healthy. You, you, have his, you have his control for the next three years after this year. For the next three years, you should be putting in permanent marker Chaz McCormick as one of your three outfielders. I just say center field because the chances are they're going to spend money on another corner outfielder. Probably. Yeah. Like, I'd rather him play center. Yeah. I'd rather him be. I'm fine with that. Because that means you're better. That means you're better offensively. Because now you have Chaz McCormick's bat in center field. Your corner outfield bat's supposed to be better than a yep. center field bat. So it brings you up offensively. Well, I don't think you lose that much defensively, though Jake, numbers-wise, is a better defensive center fielder. Yep. But I think you gain so much more offensively consistently. Well, now you bring in a corner outfielder who's a lefty. That way you give him days off against lefties. Jake can play center field on those days, and he's your fourth outfielder, your defensive replacement, which I think, quite frankly, is what Jake Myers is. I think he's a platoon option against lefties and a defensive upgrade in center field in a fourth outfielder. He's a little bit better Jake Marisnik. Yeah, I think that's what he is. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Where do you think Chaz stacks up amongst center fielders in the American League? And what is the ceiling floor? for the Houston Texans in 2023. Also, Mike McDaniel, joint practice, had some thoughts on C.J. Stroud. We'll get to that as well. I found it interesting. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.